this morning to the book of Ezra, Ezra chapter 2, Ezra chapter 2, this morning as we look again into this wonderful chapter that, like so many in the past, didn't look like there was much there, but as an old preacher that preached here many years ago, I think there's a little more meat on this bone. (laughs) Over the years, we have found many gracious truths about our Savior and what first appeared to be rather obscure passages of Scripture. I think most would agree in our recent study of the book of Leviticus, what was once a very difficult book for me to even read. We found some wonderful blessings, some great pictures, shadows, and thoughts about the Lord Jesus Christ in that book, that the Holy Spirit revealed new things about our Savior, His salvation and His saved ones, as it was recorded there. This second chapter of the book of Ezra is no exception. It is 70 verses long, and most of the verses in this chapter of the second chapter of the book of Ezra has names and numbers. Names and numbers. Now, there are a few verses that have some other thoughts in them, but as we went through part of this in the past, not that long ago, we found out that in these numbers, the Lord did not round up, and the Lord did not round down, and he did no averaging. He recorded the people that were in those families or from various parts of Babylon as they began their trek of over 800 miles from Babylon back to Jerusalem. It took approximately, or took them four months to travel that distance. So we have the list of them. Now, in that passage, or those several passages of Scripture here, in the second chapter of the book of Ezra, we found this out about God. God is exact. There is an exactness about God, and it's recorded that way in this passage. It would just seem to us in our natural state, why in the world did you go through that long list of folks? And it's much like those chapters we read about, and he begat, and he begat, and he begat. Well, the names that are listed there all have significance, and God never put a word in his book, in this book, the Bible, just to fill it up and make it longer. Every word has some reason for being there. This, uh, look with me at verse 38 in this second chapter, if you would. Verse 38. This is what I'm talking about when I... See the exactness of God. And he is exact in all things, not just putting the numbers down that were in a family. Every atom is exact in its creation. The orbit of the sun is exact in its orbit. I was astonished not long ago when someone, a scientist, was talking about hair. I thought, well, what can you say about hair? He just brought out, what if 
the hair on our body grew like the hair on our head. The hair on our arms grew out to a certain length and stop. The hair on our head grows out until we cut it. There is an exactness about God in all that he has ever done. And it's recorded here. One example is found here in verse 38 of the second chapter of the book of Ezra. The children of Pashur, a thousand two hundred forty and seven. A thousand two hundred forty seven, an exact number. No rounding up, no rounding down, and no averaging. Would you look with me at verse 39? And the children of Haram, a thousand and seventeen. And verse 65, would you travel over there with me to verse 65? Beside their servants and their maids, of whom there were 7,337, there were among them 200 singing men and singing women. Now, I have not done much research on what these folks were or what they did, but I appreciate that there was that large a choir. There was 7,337 servants and maids. The exactness of Almighty God in recording these things. Now, if he is exact in recording the numbers of folks that are in a family as they travel from Babylon back to Jerusalem, we can count on it that he is going to be exact about everything else and in particular about his son and about him being a savior of people. There's going to be an exactness in everything. If he is exact about the number of folks that are in a family that are traveling 800 miles, then he is going to be exact in far greater things as we trace them out. Would you look at verse... uh, 66, their horses were 736. Their mules, 245. Their camels, 435. And their asses, 6,720. The detail that the Holy Spirit moved upon Ezra to write about this this movement of these people that had been separated from uh, Jerusalem for 70 years. Many of them, no doubt, were born in captivity. They knew no different. But when God permitted them to go back through the edict of Cyrus, king of Persia, we find they go back. His perci- how precise these numbers telling us of a very precise God. It did not matter how many of Benjamin or Judah decided to stay in Babylon, that counts, to enjoy the good life. It didn't matter how good intentions, even up to the very day of leaving, and then decided to stay in Babylon. It does matter how many were touched by God to leave. And that we find in verse 64. Ezra chapter 2 and verse 64. The whole 
congregation together was 40 and 2,303 score. Now, how many stayed behind? We have no idea. But we are assured that there were some that did because the scriptures tell us that. They did not go with the rest. Many of them stayed behind. And we find out that those that left and traveled those four months, we could have a list of their names on a book, in a book, on a piece of paper, and it was going to be those that entered into Jerusalem after four months. There is no record of anybody dying on the route. I'm sure that some got wearied. They might have even got thirsty or hungry. We don't know. But there's no record that any of those that left Babylon ever passed away on the trail to Jerusalem. We live right on the Oregon Trail. We're the end of the Oregon Trail. And the record, if we researched it, to find out the numbers of people that left St. Louis and never arrived in the Dalles. It, the record says, what is it, every 200 feet there was a grave, or every 100 foot, foot feet there was a grave, or every 50 feet there was a grave. We have no knowledge of how many, but many passed away on the route. And here we have people walking for 800 miles, and there is no record at all of anybody passing the way. These verses of about Israel that we're going to read about that have relationship to this passage of scripture about how many left Babylon and how many arrived at Jerusalem is significant because God shares with us many times that he is very precise in the number of people that are going to be active and doing something as he moves upon them. If you would turn with me to the book of Exodus, back to the book of Exodus, we read here in Exodus chapter 11 and verse 7. Now, I want to just say this. These verses of Israel are historical facts. And yet, they are also the shadow of good things to come. When we read about Israel in the Old Testament... We're reading about a sample, an example, a picture, a type, a shadow of the church. The church has been alive and well in eternity past, and we find that the first person on this earth that was ever promoted to glory was Abel, and he went the hard way, didn't he? Abel is the first one to fill a seat in heaven. He's the first one to cry out, worthy is the lamb that was slain. He's the first one by faith. He offered a more excellent sacrifice and his brother rose up against him and killed him. And he's the first one to say, to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. And there are going to be many that followed him, but he's the first now these types and shadows and pictures that we read about, about the church, when we study about Israel, the true Israel is the church. This group of folks are going to be typical of the church. And let's look at it that way. In the book of Exodus chapter 11, Exodus chapter 11, 
we begin reading some things about Israel, in particular after Moses is selected for their leader and Aaron is also there, and they go through all kinds of things with Pharaoh. But notice with me in Exodus chapter 11, and there in verse 7, the scriptures say, but against any of the children of Israel. Now they're getting ready to leave. They're going to move out. Their years of sentence there is over. God is going to move in such a miraculous way that Israel is going to leave the bondage of Egypt. And we find with regard to our own deliverance, to our own salvation, to the work of God in our own heart, that we truly are in a place that is as bad as Egypt when it comes to their servitude. In our own life, we're in bondage to sin, and we're bondage to the fall, and we're bondage to ourselves, and we're enmity against God. And when God moves upon us and releases us from that, we are thankful, glad, happy, and we're willing to move on. And yet we find these words that are such a blessing to everyone that God moves upon to get us out of Egypt. There's a difference between the Egyptians and the Israelites. And there's a difference between the church and the world. And there's a difference between Jacob's and Esau's. Notice with me here in Exodus chapter 11 and verse 7 it says, But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue. This last week I had the privilege of pushing Josie in a stroller down the street and over here and over here and she had all kinds of places she wanted to go. We went by three houses and we were recognized by three dogs. <laughs> what were they doing? We'd hear them and Georgia says, what is that, granddaddy? That's a dog barking at us. They're doing their job. When Israel left Egypt, God put a rubber band around the beaks of those dogs. What's it say? And this is what he does. My goodness, he completely delivers his people. We're not just left halfway in Egypt. We're not just brought halfway out of Egypt. We are completely brought out. In fact, it is such a miracle that the dogs didn't bark at Israel when they're leaving Exodus chapter 11 and verse 7, but, as mi uh, but against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that ye may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. They were down there. They were in prison in, in a sense. They were captives. They were servants. They were slaves. But it is God that makes the difference. God makes the difference between Egyptians and Israelites. And he marks it out here in the scripture. Just as we found over there in the book of Ezra chapter 2. The number of people that left Babylonian captivity and arrived in Jerusalem is an exact number. We're going to find out when God released the children of Israel from imprisonment down in Egypt. After they'd been there for 400 years. That when they left 
the Egyptians didn't have a dog bark after them. God has shut them up to themselves and he takes them out in a miraculous way that is so different than anybody else ever escaping prison. No bells went off. No alarms were sounded. It isn't until the uh, Israelites are out of Egypt that God hardens the heart of Pharaoh to go after them. And he did it on purpose. For this very reason have I raised thee up that I might show my power in you. And he took Pharaoh and the whole army of, of the Egyptians out. And the next thing we're going to find out about them is Moses and his sister are singing a song about their bodies being laid up on the beach. Well, let's just go a little further here in the book of Exodus and see how God Almighty makes the difference between the Egyptians and the Israelites. There is a difference between God, between the world and his church. He has purchased them with his own blood. He has saved them by his own grace. He has moved upon them to come out. He has taken them from the grave. He has raised them out of a horrible pit. And he has brought them in such a way that even the dogs don't bark about it. In the book of Exodus chapter 12 and verse 41, we read these words, It came to pass at the end of 430 years, even the selfsame day it came to pass, that all the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. All the hosts of the Lord. Now when they came out of Babylon and headed for Jerusalem, we have the exact number. Now we're going to have some numbers given to the children of Israel. But over there it's an exact number of the families that came out. We have them. It's written in the book about them. And here it says, All the hosts of the Lord went out from the land of Egypt. In Exodus chapter 14 and verse 30, would you turn there with me? In Exodus chapter 14 and verse 30, the scriptures share this, Thus the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead upon the seashore. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day. Doesn't tell us the numbers, but it is good enough for when we find that the Lord delivered all of Israel. Well, wasn't there one or two left there in the Red Sea? Not one. Didn't somebody weary as they're traveling through there? Didn't someone get afraid of those high mountains of water and say, I think this is a mistake? Not one was left. When that water came down on the Egyptians, there was not one Israelite in the mix. God is exact and he's exact in his salvation in his physical deliverance of Israel, he was exact. All Israel came through the Red Sea. In Exodus chapter 15, if you would turn there with me to verse 16, fear and dread shall fall upon them. 
Exodus chapter 15 and verse 16, Fear and dread shall fall upon them. By the greatness of thine arm shall they be as still as a stone till thy people pass over, O Lord, till the people pass over which thou hast purchased. They will be as silent as a stone as they pass through the Red Sea. Who? All that you have purchased. Boy, what a statement is made about the redemption that we have in Christ. Every time that we use the word redemption in the sense that it comes out of the Bible, it has to do with a payment for slaves. It has to do with a payment for those who are in slavery and the Lord's purchase price of those who are in the slavery of sin that belong to him. His purchase price is his own blood. That's what he paid that's the purchase price. And here, all those that he purchased shall come through the flood. All those that he purchased shall be with him in eternity. All those that he purchased are his by purchase price, and he will lose none of them. How bad do we feel when we go to the grocery store and we get home and we find out we left a bag of groceries there? We purchased them. They belong to us. What do we do? We get in our car and we go back and hopefully someone has turned them in and we can get them. That's happened to Nancy and I several times. We went right back. They held what we had purchased. This world right now is holding what God has purchased until the appropriate time to call every one of us home. But he hasn't left us. He's sending out for us. He will call us at the appropriate time. Fear and dread shall fall upon them by the greatness of thine arm. And then it says they shall be as silent as a stone and all shall pass over which thou hast purchased. After 40 years in the wilderness, and there's a lot that could be said during that 40-year period, they're there for two years before they come up to Kadesh Barnea, which is the place to go into the land that God had promised them. It's interesting that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob had already lived there. That was their home. God had given it to them. During a time of famine, Jacob brings his family, 70 souls, down to Egypt because there's food there. There's the sun there, the sun that's been promoted to second in command, the sun that is over the storehouses of wheat and grain that would feed them. After 30 years of that, 400 years of servitude, they go out into the land, into the Sinaitic Peninsula, and they spend two years there. God gives them the law from Mount Sinai. They build the tabernacle. They dress it. They put all of the stuff in it. And they're ready to go over and enter the promised land. And God orders 12 spies to go in. Ten come back with an evil report. The only way they could come back with an evil report is they did not trust God. It's why people don't believe the Bible. Any of it, all of it, or parts of it, because they don't trust God. 
They came back with an evil report. Two came back. Preachers of the gospel said, God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we ask or think. It's a glorious land, and it's a wonderful land, and God has given it to us. All we have to do is go in. Well, those ten spent some time with a whole host of folks that didn't know anything about the grace of God. And God let them wander around for 38 years until that generation fell off. Now, Joshua chapter 3 and verse 17. After spending 40 years in the wilderness, two there by instruction and 38 out of justice. In Joshua chapter 3 and verse 17, Joshua chapter 3 and verse 17, there's another body of water to cross. Forty years earlier, they go through the Red Sea. I've shared this with you. I spent a little time down in Dallas, Texas in a Bible school, and the, at that time, there was a lot of discussion about how big the Red Sea was. In fact, they said it should have been called the Reed Sea because it was not near as deep as everybody says it is. And my, the only teacher down there that I think had any knowledge at all said, well, that's more of a miracle than I thought. God drowned all those folks in five inches of water. <laughs> they went through that water. They traveled for 40 years. They come up to another body of water called the Jordan River. And it's at flood stage at this time. That's what the scriptures share. It's at flood stage. And it tells us here in Joshua chapter 3, and there in verse 17, as they cross, And the priest that bare the ark of the covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground. Now, who are those guys? They're the heralds. It's the job of the heralds to hold up that wonderful, the symbol of that Ark of the Covenant who is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the job of the heralds. Hold him up. If I be lifted up, I will draw all mine to me. And he will be lifted up. Well, it says there, and the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord stood firm on dry ground in the middle of the Jordan River at flood stage when the Lord dried it up in the midst of Jordan and all the Israelites passed over on dry land until all the people were passed, and I like that word that's right there, clean over Jordan. All the Israelites passed clean over Jordan and are now in the land that God had promised Israel. All Israel passed over. What a statement we find here about God's exactness about his word, his exactness about his doings, his exactness about you and I, fearfully and wonderfully made, his exactness about creation, and his exactness about the spiritual creation that he promises to all his people. This reminds me so much as we look into the scriptures, particularly as we move over to the New Testament, just as Israel came out of Egypt, a roll call could have been taken and all are present. 
as they travel through the wilderness, a whole group, a generation pass off. The book of Hebrews says they died in unbelief. And here they cross over the Jordan River and everybody that goes is all. And there could have been a roll call taken there and everyone, babe in arms, the aged, the feeble, everybody passed over on dry ground. And when it took place, those those Israelite priests stepped out of the water and the water went back to where it was and they're all in the promised land. The land that God had given Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And God said when those Pharisees during his time on this earth said, we be of Abraham our father, and he responds by saying, I'm the God of, the, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I'm the God of the living and not the dead. They worship the tomb of Abraham. They worship the tomb of Isaac. They worship the tomb of Jacob. They worship the tomb of David. They worship the tomb of the prophets. And the Lord God Almighty said, I'm not the God of the dead. I'm the God of the living. They're with me. In the book of Romans... Chapter 11. Would you turn with me to the book of Romans chapter 11? As we look at Israel, the exact number, all, all Israel passed over. From the least to the greatest, all of them passed over. They left Egypt, all passed over. They crossed the, uh, the Red Sea, all passed over. They pra- crossed over the Jordan. All that were alive at that time passed over. Doesn't mean that there wasn't a bunch of graves out there in the Sinaitic Peninsula. It means a whole bunch of them passed on by God's decree because they believed not. They didn't enter in. Now, in the book of Romans, chapter 11, we have a wonderful verse of scripture about God's promise and his exactness. Romans, chapter 11, verse 26. And so, all Israel shall be saved. Now I've had several people tell me, well see, all of those folks over there right now are going to be saved. God's going to work a miracle with them. They haven't read the rest of the verse. There are going to be Israelites saved. There are going to be Gentiles saved. But it's going to be those that are written down in the Lamb's book of life that will be saved. Notice with me, Romans chapter 11, verse 26, it says, And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, There shall come out of Zion the Deliverer. Who is that? Well, we know him as the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the Deliverer. All Israel shall be saved as it is written. There shall come out of Zion the deliverer and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob. This, for this is my covenant unto them when I shall take away their sins. Who is he talking about? The church. Everyone that God chose in Christ before the foundation of the world. Those who were written in the Lamb's book of life. All Israel, I promise, I will swear on this by my immutability and my almighty power shall be saved. Well, there's a whole bunch of folks that are way off in that strange religion. 
and they used to be cannibals. Can any of those folks ever be saved? It was interesting to hear as Brother Lance preached that when they have a get-together in New Guinea, there can be up to 1,000 people there. 1,000 people came together to hear the gospel. And if we trace out their lineage, all of them, no doubt, had family members involved in that horrific crime of cannibalism. And yet God can save anybody out of anything if he so desires. And I know for a fact he saved someone that was in a mess worse than that, and that's me. He saves his people out of where they are and in what they're in and saves us by his grace. And then he says, all right, one more of all Israel has been saved. And the only thing that is preventing Almighty God from sending his only begotten son back to this earth is that the complete number has not been met yet. And when that happens, this will fold up like a tent. All Israel shall be saved. What? For this is the covenant to them when I shall take away their sins. The church knows what that is about. He takes away our sins. Now turn with me back to the book of Romans chapter 9 if you would. Romans chapter 9. Romans chapter 9, there's a whole bunch of folks that are saying that God just didn't do what he said he would do. He just couldn't do it. Well, Paul's going to head that off. Romans chapter 9, verse 6, the scripture says, Not as though the word of God hath taken none effect. If we just keep in mind what God said about his word, that it will not it will go forth but it will not return void it will accomplish that whereunto i have sent it not as though the word of god hath taken none effect for they are not all israel which are of israel now, there are many that were Israelites by birth from Abraham. They traced a physical line down through the years until they got to themselves. And yet, when it comes to them being part of the church, they are not. They are not all Israel which are of Israel. Verse, uh, chapter 9, verse 6. Neither because they are the seed of Abraham are they the children, but in Isaac shall thy seed be called. So God has not messed up. God has not said anything out of order. He said all Israel will be saved. We just have a different view of it if we have that view of it. If we think that that's going to be national Israel, we've got a wrong view. But if we see it as they are a type and a shadow and a picture of the church, if we go back to the book of Exodus and we read about them all leaving Egypt and we read about them all passing over the Red Sea and they all passed through the Jordan River and they all got into the promised land, that's a type and a shadow of a picture of what God is doing for his church spiritually. He's taken a, He will take them all out of Egypt and they will all be taken into the promised land, and he will lose none of them. 
not just being related to Adam, or excuse me, to Abraham is the issue. Turn with me, if you would, to the book of Galatians, chapter 3. God's going to do it. He's the God of orderliness. He's the God of exactness. He has an exact number written down in the Lamb's book of life. He has an exact number out in the world right now. Why aren't there being missionaries sent to the all kinds of places? My brother had this, this word when I was talking to him about the gospel, and I know why he brought it up, because it's exactly the same thing I brought up. What about all those lost people in Africa? What about them? And the preacher that I asked that question of before I was saved, he answered it this way. You know, the question is, Norm, what think you of Christ? Let's answer that question before we go on to that question. What do you think of Christ? That's the issue. In Galatians chapter 3, we read this, these words, the exactness of God, all Israel shall be saved, all of them in type and shadow and picture left Egypt and entered into the promised land. Nobody was left behind. Nobody was left out. And here in Galatians chapter 3, and there in verse 7, Ye know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. What a wonderful gospel. Wherever, whatever, language, wherever his people are, God will make sure they hear the truth of the gospel. That they will be like those who left Babylon and headed towards Jerusalem. When it's all said and done, there will be an exact number. A number that no man can number but a number known unto God. We heard read over there in the book of John chapter 6. Would you turn over there? I want to read one verse of scripture in John chapter 6. Brother Craig read this earlier this morning, but I want to read one verse of scripture here in John chapter 6. John chapter 6 and verse 37. All Jesus said this to a whole group of folks that were sneering at him. He said, I'm the bread of life. And they were, that just set them off. Have you ever had someone talking to you and as soon as they mention something, you just shut them off? Have you ever been talking to somebody and as soon as you mention something, they just shut you off? Whatever it was. Well, the Lord Jesus had that a lot happen in his life. He'd mentioned something about himself and they just shut him off. And they're thinking to themselves of how they're going to bring up a hard question for him. And they won't even listen to him. Well, only God's people can listen to all of him. And it says here, 
All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. And the disciples standing around in the church that gets to read that today says, Hallelujah. Because I know where I'd be if it wasn't for that. If he wasn't an exact God dealing with an exact group of people that he knows by name and by number, if he wasn't doing that, then I would be lost. The Lord knows them that are his. One verse to go, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. 2 Timothy chapter 2. And there in verse 19, we read this wonderful passage of Scripture that God left His saints a long time ago, and His saints have been delighting in this ever since. The principle is found throughout the Old Testament This verse is found in the writings of the Apostle Paul to Timothy and is for our benefit, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 19. Nevertheless, it looks like things are going awry, but nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure. And we just say, isn't that wonderful? Everything else falling apart, but the foundation of God stands sure. Having this seal, not in wax, not in mortar, but a seal made by blood, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. The Lord knoweth them that are his. How wonderful. God would know his people before the world was ever created. And then in time, just like them leaving out of Babylon, king gives them great consent. Go back, go back. In fact, we'll give you money to go back. Travel over there. And when they looked down at the register, they said, well, look at here. There is exactly this many people in this list. And they all arrived safely. My friends, all of God's people will arrive safely and sing the songs of Zion. Worthy is the Lamb that was slain. Brother Mike.